Welcome to Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. No, because Santa Dean, was Santa Dean on there early? Yeah, Marcus. Marcus. Right? That's him, Brooks Darnell? Yeah. Wow, he was way down there. I know, maybe he didn't want anyone to know. And he was in his movie. movie. Welcome to this week's episode of Hallmarked Up. Unfortunately, Mary has had some very sad family news, so she's going to be off for a little bit. But we are obviously continuing with some guests. And this week, we have another Sarah. Hello. And her her lovely daughter is joining us. So you may hear, hear her in the background, <laughs> Candace, who is yeah. just a, almost a year and a half old. So she, of course, did not get to see the Hallmark movie, but she's here with us today, so... Sarah's husband Scott did join and watch watching the movie with us, and he was fantastic commentating during it. And he did give us some interesting insight, but he's not here today. But that's all right. We'll start by kind of recapping what happened on a Christmas miracle, which stars Tamara, who was from Sister Sister with her sister as Emma, and Brooks Darnell as Marcus. So Emma has recently moved from Georgia to Denver. Denver. And she has a job. I think she took some time off to have her son. She, of course, is a single mother. She has a job working for a magazine, I think. And she's the executive assistant. She's the new executive assistant of the Daily Lifestyle magazine. It seems that she had a previous career as a journalist prior to taking some time off with her son. So she clearly wants to get back into writing. Um, and I think this was kind of the entry point for her to get back into working. So, so she's been on her job for what, like a day? A it's day, her first day when it first job? starts. Exactly. And she's incredibly enthusiastic about Christmas. She like goes around and gives everyone a Christmas tree when she gets there. Of course, she meets the love interest, Marcus, who's a photographer at the magazine straight away. The woman who's sort of the one of the not the editor in chief, but sort of her immediate boss, Valerie, I think was her name, decides that they need to write a really good article to sort of get everybody excited about this December issue. And I guess Emma kind of decides that they need to find a real, she's going to pitch a story idea on day two of her job to her new boss. Emma clearly wants to advance back into a journalist position. So she decides to take it upon herself to try to find and pitch a cover story um, to her new boss, Valerie. She says to her, when she finally comes up with the idea, she's like done done some pseudo Googling to find Christmas miracles. And she's found these stories that she likes that were sort of like real life Christmas miracles. And her boss seems relatively unimpressed. But then as it turns out, uh, she decides to pitch the ideas to the editor-in-chief herself, sort of like on the slide side, and uh, Emma finds out about it and gets all upset. But in the meantime, 
Her son is kind of like not excited about going to winter camp, which we didn't really know was a thing. I'm not really sure what winter camp is, but, <laughs> but, he, but it, yeah, it seems to be some sort of school or he, he seems school age. It's, yeah. it's kind of like a preschool. Some kind of, yeah, some kind of <laughs> at the rec center where they go. Yeah. He's not really enjoying it though, but he does meet this man. I think like just outside the rec center who has a piano and he calls himself Santa Dean and they kind of get excited about his Christmas music. songs and you know all that kind of thing and so suddenly her son Tyler is doing this like loving this Christmas vibe of this guy and Emma sort of starts to get a bit curious about who this guy is so of the, course Marcus I guess is like helping her yeah. to sort of, along the way this the love interest like figure out who Santa Dean is they obviously without any hesitation hang out a lot and the kid is totally drawn to Marcus very easily. Mm-hmm. I'd say Marcus is kind of proposed as a possible new father figure for Tyler pretty early on. Um, he he seems to kind of encourage Tyler to be a little more outgoing and try to make new friends at his school, come out of his shell. And then ultimately he kind of pushes um, Emma into, you know, researching a story that she can, she can pitch, even though her new boss has already kind of taken her idea. So he's, He's kind of encouraging her to write a story in parallel right. that then she can then pitch to the kind of Valerie's boss, like the higher up boss. And and so Santa Dean kind of comes into this when they decide to kind of look a little further into what Santa Dean's background is, given how talented a musician he is and how there's kind of a, a familiarity right. of his style. It, it seems that maybe there's more that more than meets the eye with Santa Dean. So they start looking further into Santa Dean's story. And they do sort of find out that he was once a quite famous jazz musician. He has an estranged daughter. We totally assume that they're going to find the estranged daughter. And of course they do. Um, And that ends up being what their sort of story is. And they try to get them reconnected. But on the side, the boss, Valerie, has found this couple that apparently she has some writer's block and they bought this house and they found a signed copy of a Christmas Carol that said like to Henry in their house and her husband is called Henry so that's what she's decided is her Christmas miracle that she's and she's taking photos of them and getting that to be the cover story in the background why all of this is happening with Emma so sort of how it all kind of comes together while Emma's doing her amazing journalistic research she finds out that that story she's not well to be fair she's not quite sure she's going to be able to connect this the daughter with santa dean because she seems a bit negative but they plan a concert anyway and and santa dean's job is to say he's playing this song for his daughter and maybe she will turn up and in the meantime emma also finds out that that guy with his wife henry and the book the Christmas, the Christmas Carol. Carol is actually a fake and they bought it on a, some kind of online version of eBay. And she wants to expose that this is not the right story for them to go on. And I think she does tell her boss eventually. She, she goes to Valerie and Valerie ends up actually, and I, I feel like that maybe the climax wasn't quite as climatic as it could have been. She just kind of immediately pulls the story and then substitutes in Emma's in story. Emma's story. And luckily, um, you know, Emma's story is great. And, yeah. and as it turns out, the night of the concert, the daughter does turn up and yeah. they play a Christmas song together. And it's beautiful Then Marcus and Emma assumptively are going to be together forever. 
Deceptively. I, yeah. word? I don't know. <laughs> like you were just concluding. They that, kiss and it's all. They, yeah, that's right. Lived happily ever after. And yeah. Everyone's happy. That's kind of what happened yeah. on A Christmas Miracle. That's a good bingo. Congratulations. So to think about our Hallmark Christmas bingo moments, which of course is our favorite cheesiest Christmas thing. Sarah, what's your one? I would say it had to be um, about halfway through the movie. Well, there were a couple. Um, about halfway through the movie, Marcus, the love interest, and Emma and Tyler were all ice skating. Tyler goes off to skate with some of his school age friends. And of course, someone has to bump Emma and knock her over. And of course, Marcus has to catch her. That was um, so, that was such a good bingo moment yeah. for sure. Kind of a sad bingo moment. So at one point, Emma ducks into the the winter camp to see how her son's doing. And of course, all the kids are playing and he's kind of on his lonesome coloring somewhere. Kind of the stereotypical kid that, you know, is struggling to fit in. That's right. That has Um, no friends. That has no friends. And of course, he magically has friends by after Marcus kind of encourages him, you know, about 10 minutes later. So it's all all good. Everything works out good. That's true. Let's see. What would I think about Oh, I think I would talk about, so they went to a Christmas tree lot to get a Christmas tree for their um, house and for the office. And I think we can't not talk about the fact that this movie is probably the most decorated movie I've ever seen, especially for like a single (laughs) woman who maybe doesn't have a lot of money. But the Christmas tree lot, like the tree comes with the stand already and they put it in the house and it's absolutely perfect. It's and enormous. And it was very big. Yeah. Then the, then her house is covered with like wreaths and stuff. She would have spent like easily thousands of dollars on decorations Wreath. that she couldn't afford. It's like a magnetic chalkboard with Christmas, Merry Christmas written all over it. There's twinkle lights. There's ornaments, of course, on every piece of garland. There's probably a two foot string of garland on every yeah. wall. several different locations and she's done even more at the office so not only could she probably not afford to have all that stuff at her house she spent a ton of money in like day two where of course she did actually go shopping for that stuff with marcus Mm -hmm. and it was just they decorate a lot in hallmark christmas but i feel like this one was so unrealistic because it was just so much it was a lot, especially for an office. It kind of looked more like a botanical garden Christmas tour that you would go pay money to see than an office. I don't really know how where they had any room to even work in that office. Oh, and <laughs> they, they had a really cheesy moment when someone came in and was like, this is so much better than last year. Yes, yes. Where, and you're like, no one would really talk about that. You would be like, why did someone throw up Christmas all over here? Maybe, but like it was, it's pretty intense. So to me, that was like a really I thought typical cheesy bingo cheesy, moment. Yeah, definitely. And and I don't know if it would you would call it a moment, but I I felt as if the main character's entire personality was a little bit. Bingo. Oh, that's very true. She was so positive. In way too almost a, just optimistic. out of touch way. Do you remember what she said about writing? It was like on her first date with Marcus and, and he asked her why she's a writer and she made some crazy cheesy comment yes. about how Let me see if I can it transports that. people and it offers a window into how people feel. I don't know. It was super sophisticated. And then later on, of course, Marcus says that her writing, when he reads her article finally, that it's poetic. And I felt like that was a little deep for an article about a jazz singer Christmas time, but... There's a lot of just, cheesy... 
dialogue in this yeah. film. I mean, there's um, just no way around it. Like, it's just very, yeah. very cheesy. The dialogue was just Christmas miracle style. <laughs> Christmas magic. And everything and, works out. Have faith. Exactly. So do what you want to Now, that actually brings us quite well, quite nicely, I guess, into what was real, though. Because I this was hard because it was very not real. Everyone was so positive. The fact that the, husband, that the father ends up back with the daughter after they're estranged for so long, like her, Emma's crazy positivity, their absolute no obstacles to finding each other on like day two or one of their job of her job i don't know what is relatable in this movie i think there were a few things maybe in the beginning so i think the premise of the newly divorced single mother transplanting her son to a new city to try to get back into the workforce and get them on their feet is a relatable thing i think changes happen in people's lives and people have to overcome circumstances and i think her especially in the beginning of the movie, telling her son, like, I want to provide you with the best Christmas ever. I feel like for a parent, that's always a relatable feeling, like maybe wanting to provide a good Christmas under maybe not the best circumstances. I think what made it less relatable was that even though she's going through all this, her apartment is sparkling, immaculate, highly decorated to the hilt. Um, and then, of course, she and has this Probably unaffordable. Attitude. Probably unaffordable. <laughs> Well, Sarah, I'm glad that you definitely came to this one to give a bit of insight in terms of what it would be like to have a kid. Without any kids, I obviously have nothing to relate to when it comes to that. I personally think this movie was probably the most unrelatable movie we've seen this year because every character really struggles to have any sense of reality in their life. I don't think anyone is relatable at all, except... Maybe the fact that she does really want to work very hard to get back to what she used to do. I could relate to that if I chose a different path or whatever, even though I don't have kids and can't relate to that. I definitely could see why getting back to the status that you once had in that workforce would be relatable. I agree on that respect. Okay, so... When we think about sort of Red Pen rewind and rewriting this movie, we think they got, the concept was there, but it's just too fake. And we thought it was too over the top and not very interesting. Particularly Emma's character for me was just not realistic. as coming back to the workplace with like so much ambition and positivity and that everyone's just susceptible to her fat and like, yay, you're great. So we think we would almost go back to the very, very beginning when she kind of has arrived in Denver. We think that because she's a single mother and she's just working as like an executive assistant and maybe not even that, that she has a crap apartment. Like it's quite old. It's not as nice. It's a bit run down. Something a bit more fitting for somebody getting on their feet after maybe a separation and being out of the workforce, something a little more relatable. Yeah. She is kind of, maybe she's, she's gone up to her attic maybe in this apartment or house or whatever she's renting, this small older place. 
to find her Christmas decorations, which maybe there's like a Charlie Brown tree and that's about it. She doesn't have that much because she just doesn't have that much. And she finds the book, actually, the Christmas Carol book from Charles Dickens that has the inscription in it in her house. In the house, yeah. So she's going to stumble upon the book and then actually pitch this story herself as this kind of miraculous thing that she finds this book in a place where I think that book might not have even be expected to turn up. I mean, I don't, Charles Dickens, we think he toured the United States yeah, with a Christmas Carol, did. but it might've been pre the era when Denver was really even a place. Exactly. Um, so, so we don't know why it got there. So how is it there? So she actually pitches it to her boss, Valerie, um, as a story, but then of course, Valerie doesn't believe her. So we've decided we, we also want to up the conflict between her and her boss um, because the movie kind of implies this conflict. Her boss is kind of this shrewd character who's a little bit like Scrooge, but I think there was just more room for there to be a conflict and then a resolution. Well, particularly when she's just the assistant, you know, right. she's not a writer. She hasn't proved herself, nothing like yeah. that yet. So, so her boss, Valerie will immediately say, just dismiss her. no, this is not a thing. I mean, you can't write. You just work for me. Go get me coffee or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> so, just dismiss it. so she gets upset and she teams up with Marcus to like get to the bottom of what this book is about. And they do a lot of research and they figure out that, you know, maybe somehow this signed copy has ended up in Denver because maybe Charles Dickens did actually come there or something. So at any rate, so they're doing all this research in the background to find out, but we're still having the side story of Tyler at the rec center and meeting Santa Dean because, you know, that we have to have the kid involved still. Right. And, and he's taking some piano lessons from Santa Dean because he, he likes it. And, and maybe it's a, it's a f- affordable thing for her to do with, with, with him at right. the rec center. And the music just kind of can add some Christmas spirit. I mean, we need need something feel good in here. And I think Santa Dean is a good character in this movie. Yeah, I did like him as well, for sure. Um, And brings Tyler out of his shell. And we actually thought that the the plot with Santa Dean and the fallout with his daughter was was also like a good plot. We think the resolution was a little bit, once again, too simple in the movie. Um, But we thought, and it's also not clear why they even, I think, had a falling out. From the movie yeah um, kind of the divorce but yeah, that something. was a bit generic description so, yeah so we thought maybe we could fold the book into this and make the book the reason for their falling out just to kind of add some depth to the story so we're going to propose that um the book had actually been in santa dean's family and had been promised to the daughter it's a valuable heirloom. It's a signed book by Charles Dickens himself. But the daughter has actually fallen out with Santa Dean over the fact that this book is now missing. So Santa Dean doesn't know where this book is. He, It's his responsibility to get heir, yeah. like pass on yes. uh, this relic yes. to his daughter. But this book has gone missing and he's the reason it's missing. And so they've had a falling out over this book being missing. Yeah. So then they're still doing the research and maybe while as they're doing this research, they're able to kind of connect Henry to Denver a bit better, the person who has the inscription. And one day as, you know, Tyler's practicing his piano at the house, they invite Santa Dean to come over to her apartment, you know, just to be there for the music lessons. And while they're having the music lessons, uh, Santa Dean suddenly realizes that this is his grandmother's old apartment. And he 
kind of brought, he describes, oh yeah, grandma used to do this, grandma used to do that, blah, 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 blah. And then it all sort of comes together that she has this book and he says, oh my gosh, this book has been missing it's from been my missing family for years. forever and ever and ever. So Marcus is there, of course, because he would have to be there, I think, yeah. of course, because he's, he's connected with, this, with the son and right. blah, blah, blah. So... He takes a photo of all of them together with the book. And and because they know that her boss doesn't want to have anything to do with the story, they just submit it to the local paper, which then kind of does get published and it could potentially kick off her career as a journalist. But, you know, she needed to get some recognition first before she was able to do that, I felt. And also, the book itself will then be delivered to, to the daughter to the daughter for a bit of like happy Christmas ending. We felt this movie wasn't fantastic. Our potential rewrite I mean our potential rewrite adds a little bit, I think a little bit of More reality uh, interest. to it. Well a reality, yes, reality, but then also like some depth to the story. I feel like there were a lot of subplots going on in the other in the first story that weren't very well connected. Um, and then her launching a journalism career just off a spread about a musician and, and his daughter seemed a little shallow to me, but I thought, yeah, this, actually this is more heartwarming. Right. And, and you can see why Santa Dean is a bit more important in the story than, it's than in the original right. one because mm-hmm. of, of this, of this novel of the Christmas Carol being in their house and that being an heirloom from his family. So, yeah, I think that this is definitely a better rewrite for this, for this film. I agree. Of course, this week is the start of CCB's like seven days of movies. It's crazy. There's a million different ones coming out this week. And we're probably going to do a few of them. We haven't figured out which ones we're going to do, but we're going to do quite a few. And looking at some of the movies that are upcoming in this Christmas week, there is Check In to Christmas, and that's I-N-N. Oh, something about a hotel, maybe Must be a hotel Christmas at the Plaza. So we don't know what's happening there. There's the Christmas club. There is a Christmas duet. That's cute. Our sequel of Christmas in Evergreen. The one one that Mary's quite excited about is Christmas in Rome, but we'll, we'll save that. And then it looks like. Candace Cameron wraps us up with Christmas Town before the end of the week. And then even on on Miracles of Christmas, we still have Sense, Sensibility, and Snowman. That must be Pride and Pride, or Jane Austen That's inspired. Right. And then so that one's kind of the only one out on Saturday. So I think I would like to talk about Christmas at the Plaza because I think... Well, actually, Sarah and I are going to go to the plaza. plaza And and I just realized we are. So we're going to the plaza. I like to go up to New York. We are based in Philly, like we've talked about before on this podcast. I like to go up every Christmas time. It is is honestly amazing and not Hallmark movie-like, especially because so many people in Hallmark movies leave the big city to, like, go home to their small town when actually New York is amazing at Christmas. So we're going up there just after Thanksgiving weekend to just see, do a few bit of shopping. And one thing we're doing is we're having Christmas 
I mean, well, not Christmas, obviously, but like dinner at the plaza. Yes. So I would like to talk about what I think would happen at Christmas at the plaza. I'm sure there is a girl, maybe she's some kind of event planner at the plaza. Let's run into a love interest by chance. Of course. Uh, she's connected to some other event or something. That's right. Maybe they're having competing events at the plaza. Oh, that would be cute. I like or, it. you know, a bit like, I don't know, what was that Bride Wars movie where they, they both competing... were getting moved, married at the, at the plaza? Maybe they have competing catering companies or something. That, that's true. They could be competing caterers that are trying to get work at the plaza. I, I think that the thing that I would want this movie to have in it, and this is genuine, is that New York is cool in Christmas yeah. and you don't need to go home to your small town thing check into christmas something oh, that would be cute the that one's one. got to be about an innkeeper and a guest at the end do you think there's no room at the end oh gosh i don't know i think there's room <laughs> at this end because i think maybe there's a single innkeeper and maybe a bachelor who comes to stay at the end for christmas maybe he needs to get away from something all oh, right and i think He's like slow to open up. That's what I think. And I think they're, she's, they're, she's going to slowly like peel back the layers. Do you think they um, like each other at first? Maybe they don't get along uh, at first? Yeah, I see there being conflict at first. I think it's like all business at first. Or maybe, Often when they do one about like a hotel, someone's coming to purchase it. Oh. And there's like a bit of conflict about that. Maybe the hotel is on the rocks and then he's going to swoop in and save it when he realizes how much he, she loves her yeah. end and how she's struggling to keep it afloat. Maybe he realizes that it's a fixture in whatever town it. So I have a I have a friend actually who just bought an inn in Maine. Oh wow! Yeah, she was a former uh, scientist and she decided to open up an inn. So she's definitely living that life right now. It's an intense life. You're up at three a.m. baking breakfast every morning for people. Oh so, but gosh. these inns are like staples. In, in these Some small towns, town. a lot of them are historic buildings. And so it really is up to the innkeeper to keep those buildings going and preserve their charm. And so I think you start feeling a lot of, you know, that uh, weight. So I, I think it has something to do with maybe keep preserving the end. Maybe he's going to swoop in. And, or maybe and there's the... two guests that check in and they meet. Oh, that's true. And they both check in. I don't know why they're checking in, but... Maybe yeah. there's two guests that two single guests yeah. that check in that are just sort of random. Yeah, I think that's another good possibility. Let's try one more. How are they possibly going to tie sense sensibility, sense and sensibility with snowmen? I am I personally am not I a honestly, massive Jane Austen fan. I don't remember sense and sensibility. I think I did read it, but I don't remember anything. About I think it. I watched the movie with Emma Thompson, yeah. but again, years ago. Or was was it Kate Winslet? I think they're both in it. Yeah. They're both But I don't it. remember anything other than it. like there was a guy named Mr. Weatherby or something. Probably. I just don't remember I, enough to even comment. We are not the right people <laughs> We're to not talk the right about people. this one. But I do, I'm very excited about that one. I know Mary will be too because she's yeah. a massive Jane Austen fan. So. I don't know. Last I mean, year we did do Christmas at Pemberley Manor and we did Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe were two ones they did last year. Okay. So I wonder, in fact, I'm going to look it up right now because this may be the Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe was a book. And I'm wondering if this is the sequel to that book. Maybe not. No, it's not it's... appearing like it is. No. See, this was the one Melissa De La Cruz wrote the, the Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe book. 
but se- sense sensibility and snowman appears to only be seems to be original. Only be. Oh, hang on. She did write it. I'm just finding it now. On IMDb. So let's see. Do you like that book, Candace? You, like you surely would make a. All right, here she is. Melissa De La Cruz, Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe. I wonder if they got her to. I don't see it. Genre that's like teen like books. Like teen fantasy? Yeah, kind of. Teen romance? No, this is not a thing. Oh, man, I'm we're checking out. <laughs> yeah, so maybe she didn't write it. But at any rate, we'll see what happens. So with all of these Christmas movies coming out this week, we are very excited about it. There's so many happening. We're going to do an episode where we do our Christmas love song, which is coming out tonight, which is Sunday. I also think my family is going to play the Hallmark Christmas Bundle movie game this this weekend and it should all be fun we've got a few more this week to do we're not really sure what's going to happen it's totally anyone's guess but of course they They will will fall in love. love so have a lovely thanksgiving everyone and we'll see you soon happy thanksgiving bye bye You can find Hallmarked Up all over the internet at www.hallmarkedup.com, on Facebook at Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah, on Instagram at Hallmarked Up. And don't forget to look for our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more.